Hello, and welcome to Friends for Life, a podcast of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod's Life Ministry. We're sharing the stories and insights of real people living out God's love for the people He's created. We hope you'll stick around and be our friends for life. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Tiffany Manor, here on Friends for Life today. And we've got some good friends that I've gotten to know in recent months um, from a partner organization, Sidewalk Advocates for Life, here in the studio with me. Lauren and Nate, welcome to Friends for Life. Please tell us a little bit about yourselves. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. We're so excited to be here. So I am from the great state of Texas, otherwise known as the promised land. So (laughs) I always say that every Texan says that, right? But my name is Laura Muzica. I serve as president and CEO of Sidewalk Advocates for Life. In a nutshell, I'm an attorney who ended up in grassroots pro-life work, which is a whole other story in and of itself. But I just love what I do. I get to lead by God's grace, the largest sidewalk outreach organization in the country. And again, we go to the darkest places in our local communities, the local abortion or abortion referral facility, and we get to offer those loving life-affirming alternatives to women and men who are going in. So nine years, about 20,000 babies saved and mothers served, 85 abortion workers who have left the business with the help and witness of a sidewalk advocate, and we just celebrated abortion facility closure number 31. So to God be the glory. Wow, God is doing great things. Thanks. Yeah, Yeah. he's so good. So love it. Really great stuff. And I'm Nate Robertson. I'm the vice president of Sidewalk Advocates for Life. I live outside of Orlando, Florida. So I know Lauren thinks Texas is the promised land, but we consider Florida to be pretty close to the promised land ourselves. (laughs) We protect life at conception. (laughs) That's right. You know, Texas is doing more about (laughs) protecting life than Florida is at the moment. But that, but I still love Florida. Very grateful to be in Florida. I love Texas and Florida. I grew up going to Texas. Uh, My dad lived in Houston when I was growing up. So I spent summers Mm. in Houston, not really the best time of year to go to Houston. Yeah. Yeah. And now my grandbabies live in Florida. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, two of my favorite states Mm. that, you know. So, you've gotten to experience both of them. Yeah. 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 If I didn't live in Texas, I would live in Florida. So, I can give Nate that at least. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? We've got listeners from all across the the globe, honestly, to Friends for Life. And there are people from Florida and Texas and all of the other states in the U.S. and then, you know, all kinds of great countries, too. So, Mm. of course, they're. You know, God is everywhere. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And I've not always lived in Florida. And I know t- um, yeah. Lauren's lived other places too. But I grew up in upstate New York and I've lived in almost every state in the Southeast b- before going to Florida. So. Wow, <laughs> you might beat me. Great. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. Well, uh, Sidewalk Advocates for Life, it is, you know, you, you gave us some really quick stats, Lauren. But mm. tell us more about the, the mission of Sidewalk Advocates for Life, what it is that um, the advocates are doing yeah. In the pro-life movement. Well, it really is about being the hands and feet of Christ, again, at the darkest places in our communities. We really have an opportunity as a people of God to go to these places where people are in crisis and so much crisis that they can't see a way forward, that they're even considering taking the life of their child, right? Uh, women arrive there and they are in a world honestly, usually of chaos and confusion. How am I going to put food on the table? Where am I going to live? How am I going to continue with work, school, career? Um, Maybe they're in an abusive relationship. So many of these women are coerced into abortion by a partner, a family member, a friend, right? And so we just have such an opportunity to go there and to stand in the gap. Um, We were giving a presentation earlier today here at the conference, right? And, um, you know, as I was sharing with all of them, it's less you know, telling someone what not to do, hey, don't have an abortion. Mm -hmm. It surely isn't about going out there and being 
uh, ugly or unhelpful. <laughs> it really is about going there and saying, we love you, we care about you, and here are some concrete resources, right? Mm-hmm. This is what love does, is that we show up with the best of ourselves and the best of our communities and really filling these needs in a life-affirming manner. And because of the way that God has made us as women, uh, this is just natural law, we're made to give life through our very beings when it's the enemy that's you know throwing up this thing in her life that says you can't have this baby because of X, Y, and Z. And so if we say, well, we can help you with X, Y, and Z, then her instinct is to turn back to herself, to her heart, and to reconsider the life of her child. And so, you know, sometimes we haven't even talked about baby or about Mm -hmm. faith quite yet, but just by speaking to her situation, we see so many women begin to cry and say, you know, I didn't really want to be here in the first place. Or uh, they'll say, I'm here ironically because I felt like I had no choice. So Mm -hmm. really what we're doing is we're going there and giving them a real choice. That's the beautiful thing about what it means in modern day to go to an abortion or abortion referral facility. Yeah, it's an important way of loving people and, and uh, you know God's people coming around and, and maybe uh, they don't know anything about God about Jesus mm. and, and how He created um, them, created their child, valued them. But it's um, the the arms of His people, uh, being the hands and feet of Jesus, to be there and caring for those individuals. We we talk yeah. a lot about compassion um, and and Jesus' compassion that that um, is given to us as His people and how we share that um, with with people and caring for them in body and soul. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes that certainly comes first, but Mm -hmm. it's um, the gospel, you know, that's been worked in us to allow us to love others. In, in this way. And I don't even mean to necessarily tee this up, but what's so interesting is I came to the sidewalk because of an invitation from the Interdenominational Brazos Valley Coalition for Life, an organization that birthed the very first 40 Days for Life campaign in Bryan College Station, Texas, the home of Texas A&M University. So I used to pray in sidewalk council outside former Planned Parenthood director Abby Johnson's facility. So it was an invitation that got me to the sidewalk. But what's so neat about Nate is he invited himself to the sidewalk, wow. which really <laughs> you need to tell at least part of that story, right? We were having dinner and I don't want to spoil the story, but I think you need to take like a little bit to share. Yeah, you know, we talk about how important it is to understand that we are trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus, that that is what we are trying to do on the sidewalk as we encounter people. And the first step to that, to getting people to the sidewalk is awareness about what's happening in their own local community. Mm, And so for me, I had lived in Louisville, Kentucky for almost two years. My wife and my son and I at that time had gone downtown to a spaghetti restaurant. And we'd parked on the street because it was Sunday and street parking was, you know, easily accessible. And as we walked back to the car, I looked up and I said, it can't be. There can't be an abortion facility right here in my community, 20 minutes from my house. And I didn't even know it was here. Yeah. And so it was in that moment that I knew that something had to be done to make sure that I was involved and to bring more awareness. So that began that began a journey of me investigating what was going on in my community, what did it look like on the sidewalk, what was happening, and how could I be involved, which led me just to show up on Saturday mornings and pray. Because yeah. at that point, Sidewalk Advocates for Life hadn't started. There wasn't really a comprehensive approach to training for people who felt called to be to the sidewalk. So I would just go and pray. 
And I would pray with, you know, all kinds of different Christians who were there and just kind of watch and observe and begin to try to figure out what to do because I knew that there was a need that needed to be filled. And that's why so much of the time in in the more recent past, I talk so much about awareness and accountability. We need to be aware and we need to help other people around us to be aware of the crisis that is happening in our local communities through either abortion facilities or abortion referral facilities, or just because there's crisis pregnancies, unintended pregnancies happening. And how are we being aware of how to resource women when they're in need? And then how are we being accountable? And I know accountability is a hard word sometimes, right? But we need to be aware of what's happening and we need to be accountable to be a part of the solution. And so that kind of goes all the way back to what Lauren was talking about, about how important it is to frame the sidewalk as being the hands and feet of Jesus and not being mean to people, not being rude to people, not being aggressive to people, not condemning people, but showing them that there are other options, that there is another way, and that Jesus is wanting to use us to be his hands and feet, you know, and and so often in all of that, I say to I talk to people about that in the Bible, the biblical examples of Jesus, Jesus only yelled at people who were Pharisees or who were religious leaders or people who were typically trying to bring the hammer down on somebody else. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't yell or get angry with the woman caught in adultery. He didn't yell or get angry with the woman who he found at the well. He was very compassionate with them. And he wanted to lead them to a better choice through love, not through Mm -hmm. telling them that they were wrong. And so that I believe embodies so much about what we feel like we have been called to do through Sidewalk Advocates for Life and what we feel like the sidewalk should look like. Yeah, and I was so impressed when I first encountered Sidewalk Advocates for Life because like you, I had I had been outside clinics and, and my story is, is long and our, our listeners have heard pieces of it, but I, I've not always been pro-life. I was pro-choice and it was, sure. you know, not unlike what you described, Nate, um, an, an abortion clinic that came in our community and that kind of confronted me with uh, what I believed and I saw people praying outside of it and I just had to go through a lot of deconstruction and sure. and um, got through the Holy Spirit, you know, reconstructed me and re- reformed mm. me. Um, but you know, since that time, but since that time, oh goodness, more than twenty-five years ago, I, I've been outside of a lot of abortion clinics and, and prayed. And there's a marked difference when Sidewalk Advocates for Life is there, and it's a peaceful, prayerful, law-abiding presence, mm-hmm. and it can be felt, um, and it's mm. just really very, very powerful. Yeah, yeah. And it's also about bringing the best of the best strategy to the facility. Like when you go to a facility, you know, really striving for excellence. Like what is really, I mean, this is a biblical concept, right? Uh, Paul admonishes us to run as if to win, not just to go out there and do something, not to just go throw spaghetti at the wall, right? And maybe this will work, I'll try this or that. And I, I, again, I've been there before out on the sidewalk where I'm like, I don't know what the best thing is, mm-hmm. right? And God took me on a journey to help me to understand better how to reach these precious women and their families in that moment of crisis. But, you know, when we go there, first of all, having the right disposition, having the right heart, and then also also putting our best face forward, making sure that we've got an advocate at the driveway to catch women as they're coming in, making sure we've got someone at the fence if the car doesn't stop. And, you know, it's so funny because nine out of the 10 times that we as national team members go and when we visit one of our teams, this is actually going to maybe stun some people when I say this, but I'm going to unpack it for a second. Almost always the police come. And it's not because we're not 
being law-abiding. It's because we are so well-organized. We come there with such a comprehensive, effective strategy. We come there with the right heart, which is winning hearts and minds, that the abortion facility doesn't know what to do. They're grasping for authority, so they call the next nearest authority that they can, which is the police. Of course, the police come out and they, you know, they say something to us because they have to, and then they're like, well, keep being law-abiding, have a nice day, you know? (laughs) And they just leave, and it just cracks me up because almost every time we go visit a team and we just give them a couple more tips and strategies and just organize them maybe a little bit better and help them to go to the next level, uh, the abortion industry doesn't like it because they see women and families as dollar signs, Mm -hmm. right? So interesting. They don't see them as people, and and we're seeing them as people for whom Christ died, people that we love and care for. And we don't make any money off of them choosing life. We don't make any money off of them choosing the loving option of adoption. Um, Every woman we win from one of these facilities is $500 plus out of their pocket, Mm -hmm. you know, and people will tell us that. I still remember a mom in Tampa, Florida coming out and saying, wow, you you were right, Miss Lauren. I walked in there and it was all about money. It was Mm -hmm. all about money. They wanted us to pay cash. They didn't even want to want to run our card. You know, it was it's just so interesting the stories you hear from people who have actually been inside and what they've experienced. Yeah. So well now, so this is you know, fascinating to think about Sidewalk Advocates for Life as a national organization. I mean, there's there's a pretty fair number of abortion clinics and uh, abortion referral facilities and, and we can, you know, get to that a little bit more, but let's think up um for our listeners, how is it that you're able to do this work nationwide and, and really how people who are listening can get involved? Yeah, yeah. Um, I thank God that many of us on the national team are nerds, like system <laughs> nerds, business nerds, operation nerds. God, God uses all of those gifts, right? And so I think we have been asking ourselves hard questions about how do we scale and prospectively cover 777 facilities in post-Roar America. We're at about 235 plus right now and growing. Uh, There's 19 metro areas in the United States that have nine plus abortion facilities. We've got New York with 87 in the metro area all the way down to Atlanta, for example, with nine, you know, big these big areas with so many facilities that actually have 50% of the abortions in the United States. And so, you know, really it's start or join that most people are going to have a sidewalk advocate team in their backyard. So if they don't feel called to leadership or maybe all the facilities are covered by one of our teams, they can, you know, call our, our next nearest team and they can avail themselves of our five hour training. They sign a pledge of integrity and they get to the sidewalk. They take some hours and it's just as simple as that, right? Uh, you get certified as a sidewalk advocate. And then there will be some people who will say, you know what, this facility that I drive by every day doesn't look like anyone's outside of it. Maybe God is calling me to start a team um, and I can bring people from my church. I can hold a training in one of the empty rooms one Saturday morning and we have it all ready for you. Comprehensive training tools and full-time staff support, right? So we journey with you as long as you know you wanna be served by us. Um, and our goal is to ensure that you feel like you're not alone. Just as you say to that woman on the sidewalk, you are not alone. We want these saints that we serve on the sidewalk we want them to know that they're not alone and that we are there to support them uh, until they see their abortion or abortion referral facility close. And then for many of them, it's on to the next one after that happens, right? So um, it's just really a beautiful journey for us too. So 
yeah. I went through the training. It was actually a really enjoyable way to spend the Saturday. I mean, with yeah. you know a group of people yeah, and yeah, yeah, and then to be out on the sidewalk with them, serving you know alongside shoulder to shoulder and supporting one another. So yeah, I think it was you know really a valuable experience. I learned a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We dive into some really interesting novel modern issues, right? Mm-hmm. Prenatal diagnosis, health and life of the mother. Um, rape and incest, you know, how do we have a life-affirming response in these very precarious situations? How do you talk to the boyfriend, the mom, the friend who's coming with her? What do you do when the woman goes in and, you know, you do see her coming out after her abortion? You know, we always say we do all that we can to encourage a decision for life on the way in, but how do we be the first sign of God's mercy when she's coming out? Mm -hmm. How are we there for the workers, right? I mean, that's probably even the top challenge we deal with in the country is abortion center escorts, right? Mm -hmm. Nate leads our programs department, and that's probably the I think the toughest thing is when you have these trained people by the abortion industry to try to, you know, pull women away from us in in conversation, to interfere in our conversation, even physically, sometimes they're trying to get between us and the woman that we're serving. Um, Again, we don't throw fire on fire. We don't, you know, we don't get into any wrestling match with anybody out there, right? Sound bends around escorts, so we can still say something to her. We can still maybe slip her literature or a bag, but... You know, so these these things pop up on the sidewalk and people have questions and they this is why they need people to journey with them, um, you know, because the abortion industry is doing every, everything that they can to intimidate us off, off the sidewalk. And we just can't let that happen. Yeah, so. and I think that that's the what's so powerful about what we're able to offer to our local volunteers is that we do offer this comprehensive support where one of, we want to make sure that they have what they need to be successful. We want them to know that they have you know, an arm to pull on if they need some additional strategy, that we want to continue to help them training and help them to continue to be effective because we want to make sure that they are able to answer the call of God on their life fully. And so what does that look like? That looks like making sure that if they get discouraged, we're there to help them. If they're having a celebration, we're celebrating with them, right? Mm-hmm. But we wanna make sure that they have what they need so that they are able to continue to do the work that they need to do in their local community. I can't be everywhere. I live in Orlando. I can't be in every city in America. Yeah. Lauren's in Dallas, she can't be everywhere. Our, our team is spread out across the country in an effort to be able to be re- a resource to many people, but we still can't be there. Mm-hmm. But we can help to equip, to train, to support, and to continue to make it effective for the local teams as they feel that support from a national organization. And we're just one phone call or email away, That's which right. is really great. You know, in post-war America, um, we have now organized in our programs department, which advises those who are running a local team. We organized into kind of four quadrants of the United mm-hmm. States. So Melissa has the Midwest, Elizabeth has the West, Susan has the Northeast, Linda has the Southeast, right? And so when you say yes to this mission, you get somebody to journey with you and they're just a phone call or email away. And of course you have the, the support of our entire national team. And there's probably about five of us that that train and travel and actually go visit our teams. And so we try to get around the country pretty regularly. We, I'm on an airplane at least a couple times a month, right? <laughs> Speaking or, or getting out to the sidewalk with one of our teams. So it's an important part of our ministry is to, you know, just like Christ, um, you know, he, he it's the story of the incarnation. He showed up right? And so if we're walking in his footsteps, we need to show up for these saints on the sidewalk who say yes. And that may be you. That may be you who are listening today. 
So how do they find you? I mean, I imagine there's there's this little thing called the internet I've heard of <laughs> once or twice. Maybe you're there. I don't know. Yeah, so we have some really great <laughs> yeah. ways for people to connect with us. People can connect with us directly at our website, sidewalkadvocates.org. There's great resources there. They can find out about how to start a location, how to apply. They can find out how to contact us if they'd like to have a call to just learn more. There's mm-hmm. also a, a, a little short primer that we also offer people that can be found through our website. But also, I want to remind people that we have a YouTube channel as well. Mm. And so on our YouTube channel, we have a great amount of videos that people can to, can watch to get a little bit you know, of what has been happening over the last nine years. One of my favorite recent videos is from about, I guess, right about a year ago when we went to Charlotte, North Carolina, and we were able to have a closing celebration for the I abortion facility. I saw that video. Yeah, that, that was closed very there. touching. It, it, I cried. Absolutely. I cried. I mean, that, that yeah, video was, it's a tearjerker. Yeah, it is. No yeah. doubt, because those are the moments that we all live for, right? Mm -hmm. To see that a community has no longer has that abortion facility there. Now, Charlotte has other abortion facilities, but that that facility who had been doing abortions for over 20 years was no longer open. It had closed down for good at the efforts of our advocates who are outside. And so getting to go there and be a part of that closing celebration and to document that for everyone to be able to go and see. So there's great stuff on our YouTube channel that I'd encourage people to check out. And there were two workers that used to work inside that facility that came to the closing celebration because they were won over through prayer and love. Like you can't make this stuff up, you know? (laughs) We've actually been to a handful of closing celebrations where that's been the case. And it just shows, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit to call people out of these places when we do what we're called to do. And it, it just never fails to speak to me personally, too. Like, I remember at the time going to that closing celebration in Charlotte, one of the things I was wrestling with was perseverance and prayer about a particular intention in my life, you know? And I go there and I hear about these advocates who, like, in the face of these difficult abortion center escorts who were literally drawing satanic symbols around their feet, right? Oh. I mean, there, we even have TikTok footage from an abortion center escorts uh, account. Now, we blurt out any identifying information or whatever this was public information, right? Watching her hold up a sign that said pervert pointing to one of our male advocates who was there in a spirit of peace, prayer, and love and just serving women, you know, and you could just feel the spiritual battle out there. And they had no sign many days that they were having any effect on the facility. And yet by the time we had the closing celebration, they found out the three workers had been brought out through the power of prayer and also thanks to Abby Johnson's abortion worker ministry and then there were none. And that there actually had some days been 50% of the abortion business that had been turned away. And it was also because the center manager was so affected by the prayer. uh, And of course, ATTWN had been reaching into the clinic to Abby's abortion worker ministry, ATTWN. Um, All of this was, was moving her heart to the point that she would look at, you know, the schedule that day of maybe 18 women. And if she noticed any sort of pause in that woman's consideration, she would tell them not to do it and she mm. would send them away. And so the, they said that the abortion center owner would come to her and say, hey, Alicia, I thought that we were supposed to have 18 women. Why are there now only eight? Wow. And yeah. she's like, I don't know. you know. <laughs> so, I mean... The advocates couldn't see it. They couldn't see it for so long. And it wasn't revealed to them until that celebration. 
And I, I just think that's so much how heaven's going to be that we just can't see around us the effects of all the ways that we've said yes, but we do so in faith. And it, it's true many times that God does show us those victories right in front of our faces. But it just was even such a beautiful example that taught me what it meant to persevere in prayer. You know, that's right. beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Well, let, let's talk for a minute about the changes that have been occurring since um, mm. the Dobbs decision, re- reversing Roe v. Wade. Um, and while we're seeing, you know, so we're recording this in St. Louis, Missouri, um, in the Lutheran Church, Missouri International Center, there's no more abortions occurring in Missouri. Mm-hmm. But yet, I imagine there's still unexpectedly pregnant women in Missouri. Right. Struggling, yeah. some of them. Yeah. Some of them struggling. Um, so what do you see happening now and, and what do people need to know about um, what's changed? Yeah. Well, I didn't even mean to chuckle in response, but we were just talking about this before we hit record, right? That just because uh, Roe has been overturned and the Dobbs decision is the law of the land and it was sent back to state legislatures to the people of every state, it doesn't mean unexpected pregnancy ended, right? Especially in the abortion-restricted states. And so... What we, what we see right now is that there's 777 facilities, abortion and abortion referral facilities, about 700 abortion facilities, about 69 referral facilities. There's about 14 states that protect life. We've got about 36 to go. And still on the ground in these abortion-restricted states, we have what's called abortion referral centers. These are often Planned Parenthood family planning facilities that existed uh, before Roe was overturned, and they're playing an even greater role in feeding the bottom line of the abortion industry in post-Roe America. So the idea is that if you are in Texas or Tennessee or Missouri or Louisiana, if you're in a state that protects life, the abortion industry is still in your state, and they're still working really hard to funnel women across Mm -hmm. state lines. And they're paying for their abortions, and they're paying for their travel through these special funds like the Mariposa Fund or the NAF hotline or whatnot, right? And they're trying to really push women to still giving them uh, money, really, Mm. still getting them across state lines. And so we can still be there. We, Mm -hmm. in fact, we need to be there. And we've even seen where turnarounds, women considering a decision for life, it's so much easier at these facilities because Mm -hmm. we're able to say to them before you drive 300 or 600 miles, well, do you want to try our services on the mobile medical unit? Do you want to try our services at the pregnancy resource center? Right? Mm -hmm. So that's, what's beautiful is that no matter where you are, you can be the hands and feet of Christ. You probably have an abortion or abortion referral facility near you. And if you don't, then you can go to the proverbial town square and you can hand out information and you can generate conversation. You know, if you are in Miami, of course, you know, Florida is still allowing abortion to 15 weeks, but like, this is just something that comes to mind. Like if you were in a community like Miami beach, well, you'd go to the beach, right? Mm -hmm. You might hand out information about your local pregnancy resource center because women are still leaving your county. They're still leaving your community for the next nearest abortion facility. And so, you know, when I used to work for 40 Days for Life National, we had groups that would do this, that would set up prayer vigils in front of a government building or in a high traffic area, and they would hand out information. And there were babies that were saved during that 40 days and they weren't even in front of one of these facilities, right? So sometimes we have to get creative. But again, even in some of these Texas cities like McAllen, Texas, down by the border near Mexico, you know, in my great state of Texas, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We're hearing about women from McAllen, Texas who end up in Albuquerque, New Mexico or borderland in Las Cruces, New Mexico, Santa Teresa, New Mexico, and again, it's like if we can be there, we can intercept them before they make such an investment of time, energy, and money, and it's harder to turn them around at that point. 
Yeah. Wow, you've just given us so many great things to um, think about, um, ways to get involved. I, I so appreciate, um, you know, it's, it's really anyone mm-hmm. who's listening could, could get involved. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, so say again your website so that people can find you. And, um, you know, here at the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, we're so thankful to have partners, um, such strong yeah. partners and Sidewalk Advocates for Life, mm. that we share this desire for the gospel of Jesus Christ to, to lead with love and compassion to reach right women where they are to help and serve them. So thank you for all you do. But how, how is it that people find you? Yeah, absolutely. So they can go to sidewalkadvocates.org and they can, you know, look at all the resources mm-hmm. there on our website. They can also connect with us by sending an email to info, I-N-F-O, at sidewalkadvocates.org if they'd like to go ahead and do that. And they can look at our YouTube channel, Sidewalk Advocates for Life. And we have a conference every year right. in Dallas, prolifeconference.com. Don't ask me how we got that URL. I'm still really excited about it. <laughs> so right. pro- no one snagged that. Prolifeconference.com. And it's going to be this year, October 6th through 8th, uh, just two miles from DFW International Airport. And the theme this year is the sidewalk is everywhere, Mm. especially with the advent of mail order abortion causing drugs. You know, how can we we be the hands and feet of Christ to our friend, to our neighbor where, you know, they're not walking into one of these facilities. I mean, we're even getting ready to train a group of online sidewalk advocates for that very purpose to be the hands and feet of Christ in a chat room, you know, or other places where women are online. We have got to keep up with the abortion industry because they are innovating like crazy to still make money off of women's crises. Mm -hmm. They are exploiting women who are in crisis. I mean, a great example is just a few miles from here in Granite City, Illinois. We're getting ready to hit the sidewalk tomorrow morning. And they say that women are coming from Louisiana and Mississippi and they're so exasperated. They've driven all through the night. They don't know what to do. They didn't know that these resources were there in their backyard before they made the commitment to that drive. And still we're seeing women turn around. But if we can be salt and light in our home communities and we can reach these women before they make that drive, before they get on that airplane, then we have hope hope to, to save their lives and connect them immediately with abundant life, right? Yeah. Which is the goal. So that's uh, what we often refer to like loving indeed and in truth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us here. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and don't forget to click the follow subscribe button so you don't miss out on an upcoming episodes. New episodes drop twice each month. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as Friends for Life LCMS. And finally, listeners, we want to hear from you. If you have an idea about a guest you'd like to hear from or a topic that you want talked about, email us at friendsforlife at lcms.org. Thanks for joining us. Friends for Life is a podcast that introduces listeners to life issues by introducing them to friends who stand for life.